Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. This is the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's hour number two of the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Got a lot of college basketball in this hour. Going to be taking a look at everything that we've got for the Sunday card. Obviously, we don't have, unlike on Saturday, 130 games to be able to take a look at, but we still have some pretty good sizzlers of matchups, if I do say so myself. Going to be giving you guys what I've got in the New York Post here in the next two or three minutes, so have no fear there. And then in the final hour of the show, once we wind up hitting midnight in all the continental 48 states, midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern, going to be taking a look at everything that we've got with regards to the NFL for both Sunday and Monday, because now it's, and I air quotes here, super wild card Monday, so we're going to have you guys covered on all that. So lots of college basketball, lots of NFL coming up here in the next two hours. A lot of pitting on Penn State versus Ohio State and Butler versus Villanova in the previous segment. So if you want to missing that, vcin.com slash podcast. And also Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Eves Peterson, now part of the vcin family podcast. Break down every single game, every single day on the board on that podcast. So have no fear. We've got you guys covered there. But how about if we go to what I've got in the New York Post for Sunday? We want to pitting on Mississippi State. Let's make it two in a row with 827, 828 on the betting board. Cincinnati. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati. And they're onto the road to face off against Wichita State. Wichita State between a point and point and a half point favorite. And your tallest game. And we're between 133 and a half and 134 and a half. Where I wound up going with regards to this one is the total. I wound up setting my total at a 131. I'm going to be taking a look at the under. I take a look at both of these teams, and neither of these teams necessarily plays at a breakneck pace. Neither of these teams necessarily play super slow. Wichita State right around 150th in the country with regards to possessions per game. When it comes to the Cincinnati Bunch, they're a little bit of an intriguing team, more around 226. So you've got pretty much an average tempo game. But take a look at both of these teams. They both rank in the top 40 with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis with Wichita State. They are hoping that guys like Maurice Oduzzi and Dexter Dennis, the two guys that they wound up having missing due to COVID protocols, are going to be able to play in this game. But I think either way, it's actually going to be a help helping out the under one way or the other because if both of these teams wind up being out of the fold, you wind up having a little bit less defense when it comes to Wichita State. If these two guys wind up getting in, they are able to do a better job on offense, but also a better job defensively. So you pretty much have a situation which I think either way, you aren't going to see necessarily a whole lot of line when it comes to the total in this one. So I do think that it is going to be very intriguing to see what we wind up having there. But when it comes to Cincinnati, 
Not a team that shoots it well from three-point range. And quite honestly, neither of these teams do. They're both outside of the top 250 when it comes to three-point shooting percentage. You've seen Cincinnati get a little bit warmer recently, but you take a look at just the roster in general. Guys like a Mr. Davenport and Julian Davenport, he's been able to do a relatively solid job when it comes to Cincinnati. Jeremiah Davenport has been able to give you right around 15 and a half points per game. So he's been solid. He's been able to shoot it from three-point range, but outside of him, you don't necessarily have a lot of guys that are able to knock it down from three-point range. And for Wichita State, Ty ATN has just been off for this team. He hasn't necessarily seen a big dip with regards to his overall scoring from last year. Last year was more around 16.3. This year is right around 15. But three-point shooting percentage has went from more in the pocket of about 39% to right around 31.5%. So he hasn't necessarily been as effective there. Was really doing some of his best work towards late November slash early December. Now, it has been a little bit of a fall off there. Joe Pleasant, who wanted coming in from Abilene Christian, hasn't necessarily been able to make the dent that this team was hoping for. And when it comes to the overall rebounding, neither of these teams have necessarily been too dominant in that category as well. You do have a Cincinnati team that has been able to do a relatively solid job of being able to guard the perimeter. Meanwhile, Wichita State, they've been able to do a little bit of a better job inside as well. So both of these teams do have their defensive fortes. And when it comes to this Wichita State team, Ricky Council has been out of the fold a little bit for the team. Should be good to go in this one. A guy that last year shot 44% from three. This year, he's seen a little bit of a fall off as well. And with Cincinnati, what they do a good job of on offense is not turning the ball over. They also don't necessarily generate a lot of steals themselves. So I do think that you're going to see a lot of one and done possessions. I think that you're going to see a lot of slow and controlled just possessions in general. Just a game in which neither team is necessarily able to get a lot of spacing. So I did wind up setting the total more around a 131. I'm looking at the under with Wichita State. Did make them a four-point favorite. Obviously, you've got a couple question marks when it comes to the backcourt of the scene, but I do think that Ty ATN is going to be the best scorer out there on the floor. I think that that's going to be paramount. And when it comes to what you get out of Wichita State in general, just them at the roundhouse in general, very tough place to play early game in which you do end up having a true road spot for Cincinnati, I think that they're just not going to be able to get the job done in this game. So willing to lay the point-to-point half with Wichita State set them as high as a four-point favorite. When it comes to total, made it a 131. So what we're giving out in the New York Post is going to be the under in this game to go along with Wichita State. That is going to be, aside from the New York Post, but what I'm going to be taking personally, going to be noted up on the spreadsheet, all that good stuff. So that's where we stand with regards to the New York Post play. How about if we hit on a, another game that is going to be involving some power conference teams? You've got yourself a good battle out there in the Big Ten that's going to be going down right around 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. You've got 829-830 Iowa versus Minnesota. A battle of a little bit of opposites here as you've got Iowa open up a five and a half point favorite. Now you're seeing them at six of a lot of spots. DraftKings is right now one of the few holding strong at five and a half and total of this game. Is anywhere between 152 and a half and a 153. And I wound up setting my spread more around a six and a half personally. So I am going to be willing to lay it when it comes to Iowa. Big reason why. I just think that Iowa is going to be able to get second chances in this spot. Keegan Murray, one of the most superb players in all of college basketball, actually leading all of college basketball with regards to points per game with right around 24. He's able to give you eight rebounds, multiple assists, a block per game. So he has been absolutely tremendous. For the Iowa Hawkeyes team, but don't forget about his brother Chris Murray. 
He was the reason why they wound up being able to win that game against Indiana a couple days ago. In that game, he wound up coming up big with 29 points, 11 rebounds. He certainly did his part. And this is an Iowa team that, when it comes to turnovers on a per-possession basis, they are number one in all of college basketball. Now, when it comes to Minnesota, they also rank at the top 10 in all of college basketball. They turned the ball over right around 9.4 times per game, so they have been very prolific with that regard. You've got an Iowa team that they rank at the top five in all of college basketball with regards to points scored on a per-possession basis. And with Iowa, it's not necessarily that they play at the world's most breakneck pace. They do play at a little bit of a faster tempo. You take a look at them in terms of possessions per game. And this is a team that they're clocking in right around 68. Meanwhile, you take a look at Minnesota. And this is a team that because they don't necessarily have a lot of depth, that they are looking to slow down games. More around 272nd in the country with regards to possessions per game. They really play with a six-man rotation and a six-man rotation only. And John Sutherland, the guy that typically comes off the bench for this team, has been dealing with some ailments. He has played in the last two games, but he's also been averaging right around two to three points per game in the last two that he's been playing hurt in. So he has not been able to give you a whole heck of a lot. Now, when it comes to Peyton Willis along with EJ Stevens, these two guys have been able to combine to be able to shoot about 40% from three-point range. They have been terrific for this Minnesota team with that aspect. But I feel like Jordan Bohannon able to do a little bit better job of being able to sink triples on the other side for Iowa guy that's been very much around the block. I feel like at some point we're going to need to give this super senior a little bit of a walker because he has just been in college basketball for that long. But a guy that's able to shoot in the high 30s from three-point range does a good job of being able to dish out the ball. Pat McCaffrey down low is able to give you a little bit over 11 points per game. He has been superb. You take a look at someone like a Jameson battle on the flip side for Minnesota and been great. He's been able to give the team 18 points per game, and you take a look at this Minnesota team in general. I thought that they were going to be really, really bad in the Big Ten. I wanted picking them dead last, as many people did for this conference. Now, is Minnesota going to be like a top five Big Ten team? Certainly not. We have seen that play itself out, but they are a team that they're able to give you an honest effort, even when they wound up going on the road, and they played against Michigan State a couple days ago. They were able to do a good job there. They wound up losing that game by two points, but you do take a look at what the Hawkeyes are doing. They have, for one, actually been one of the best teams to the over. Over 70% of Iowa games are going over. They have only had four games go under for that aspect this season. But you do take a look at Minnesota. I think that this is going to be a little bit of a tough spot for them to cover because they did wind up suffering that heartbreaking loss a couple days ago against Michigan State. I do think that that's just a little bit of a bad sandwich spot there for them. Iowa has been one of the better teams at being able to cover the spread, and I think that they're going to be able to do so here. With Iowa, set them more around a six-half point favorite, so one to lay a five-and-a-half to a six. I did wind up making this total a 146-and-a-half, though. I'm going to be taking a look at an under. I'm looking to zag on this one just because the big reason is Minnesota does not give themselves second chances. Out of 358 D1 teams, they are 358th with regards to the percentage of their possessions that they wind up grabbing in offensive rebounding. Obviously, this is an Iowa team that they don't necessarily force a bunch of turnovers. So I do think that Minnesota actually is going to have a little bit of success in trying to get their tempo in this game. I think that they're going to be able to do a good job of being able to slow things down. I think that they're going to try to get themselves set on defense. I just think that the athletes of Iowa are better than those of Minnesota. And with Minnesota only running a six-man rotation, it's going to be a little bit tough for them to have fresh legs out there. So going to be taking a look at the under in the spot and one lay up to six and a half when it comes to Iowa. We've got a little bit of MAC action as well. Now there's two MACs out there in college basketball. You've got the Mid-American Conference, the MAC, and then you've got pretty much what I call the MAAC 
in the Metro Atlantic. We've got a lot of Metro Atlantic action, so we're going to be starting out with this earliest game out there in the Metro Atlantic, 825-826 Iona. The Gales are going to be playing us to Niagara. Niagara opened up in a 12-point underdog. Now you find them anywhere between 10.5 and, and 11 with a total of right in the neighborhood about 141. And when it comes to Iona, I really do like what you're able to get out of this team. I do think that they should be able to manhandle a Niagara team that they just don't have a lot down low. I did wind up saying my line at Iona laying 12.5. And, and with Iona, you've got a lot of depth when it comes to this team and a Niagara team that they've got a lot of questions. I'm going to be addressing those I'm going to be addressing those questions on the other side. And we're going to continue to take a look at the college basketball card for Sunday. And then in the final hour, hitting on some NFL. That's coming up next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. It is a great Peterson experience right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. And have to give a shout out to all the people that make this show possible. Without the guys behind the scenes, you would not be hearing me right now. You would not be seeing me. Anything like that. Brian Ortega does a terrific job as my most wonderful producer. You've also got my man getting me set up on audio. McHale does a terrific job every single week with that regard. And then Nick Wells, the technical director. I am sorry about your New England Patriots, but I'm sure that they are going to be back next season. They are set up for a lot of success with Mac Jones, just like you always set me up for success. So big thanks to all those guys who do terrific work behind the scenes. Without them, you would not be seeing me or hearing me. So they're the lifeblood and they keep me out of what we always like to call the ditch when it comes to technology. So they do absolutely amazing work. Some of the best in the business. So got to love what they are able to do. Now it's time for me to be able to live up to my end of the bargain because they are. And we were talking a little bit before, just before we wanted to the break about Niagara versus Iona. And that's a spot in which I am comfortable laying the 11 with Iona set my line at 12 and a half. And the big reason why is because I do think that Iona is going to be able to own things down low for Niagara. It's been very impressive what Greg Paulus, yes, that Greg Paulus that used to play at Duke has been able to do with regards to this team. But when it comes to this bunch, the thing that has really been tough for Niagara is rebounding. They've got a guy that 
is right now stuffing the stat sheet. And Marcus Hammond, a guy that's able to give you 16 points. He's been able to give you right around five and a half rebounds, four assists. Shoots in the high 30s from three-point range, but what he doesn't necessarily have is a lot of size. And that has really been the main bugaboo that we've seen with Niagara the last few seasons. They were right around the bottom 10 in all of college basketball with regards to rebound rate last season. And this season, they're 267th with that aspect. Meanwhile, you take a look at Iona, and they've got good all-around size. They're a team that they rank more around one-tenth in the country, so it's not like they're absolutely plowing teams down low. But at the same time, you do have a lot of guys that you're able to rely upon. Nelly Jr. Joseph has been able to give this team a steal, two blocks, eight rebounds, 14 points per game, so that has been solid. You've got a guy in Elijah Joyner. You want transferring him from Tulsa. Does a nice job of being able to keep a steady offense, a guy that doesn't necessarily turn the ball over a whole heck of a lot. And when it comes to Siona team as well, it's been a solid defense. It is a team that they still leave a little bit of something to be desired when it comes to defense, but still, this is a team that may allow opponents to shoot 28.5% from three-point range. That is in the top 25 in all of college basketball, and this is an Iger team that they really rely upon the three-point shot because they're a bunch of which they just don't have a lot of size in general. They did wind up having a little bit of a tough hand dealt because Prior to the season, one of the guys that they were relying upon in Raheem Solomon, he decided to step away from the team to focus on graduation. So they've had to rely a little bit more on someone like Noah Thompson. And Thompson has been able to give this team just under three assists per game. A guy that's able to shoot actually 47.5% from three-point range. But when it comes to this Niagara team, they just don't necessarily get a lot on the inside, which I think is going to be a little bit of a wolf for them. For Niagara as well. I mentioned it with regards to rebounding. They just aren't good in that aspect. And more specifically when it comes to rebounding. Offensive rebounding for Niagara. In terms of the percentage of their shots that they miss. That they wind up rebounding. They're outside of the top 300 in all of college basketball. Now with Niagara. They do a good job of not necessarily turning the ball over themselves. But you have to go up against an Iona team. That you've got all this size. And you really don't have a lot to be able to match up with it. When it comes to Iona, obviously, Richard Patino, one of the better coaches that you're going to find out there in all of college basketball. I mean, he's done a great job of being able to build this thing up. Tyson Jolly has been able to give you 15 points per game. And even a guy like Dylan Van Eyck has been able to shoot a little bit over 44% from distance. A guy that stands right around six foot nine, comes in from the Netherlands, has been absolutely amazing for the team. Even Ryan Myers, Barrett Jean-Louis, you've got a lot of depth. When it comes to Iona, you don't necessarily have, have, have as much of that when it comes to Niagara. So I do think that the Purple Eagles are going to be up against it in this spot. And with Niagara, what they're going to be really looking to do, play very slow, very controlled. Iona is a team that they look to play up-tempo. They're more around 75th in the country with regards to possessions per game. Iona is Niagara. They're outside the top 320. So I do think that there's going to be a little bit of success to be had with Niagara, being able to get a bit more of their tempo. But I don't think that they're going to be able to get the job done in this spot. Set Iona as a 12.5 point favorite. I'm going to trust in Slick Rick in this game. And when it comes to the total, set it at 134.5. So we're going to be taking a look at an under in this spot as well. Now, in the Metro Atlantic, you've got a top five team with regards to cover rate in all of college basketball. They're going to be playing pretty early in the day on Sunday. That would be Monmouth as it's 831, 832 on the banking board. Hitting the road to face off against Maris. Maris is finding themselves as a four point underdog. Your total is at DraftKings of 133 there. One of the lone 133s I'm seeing out there in the market right now. In Vegas, you're seeing a lot of 135s. And on the East Coast, between 133 and 134. So, depending where you are at, this is going to be a line that might be looking a little bit different. And whether you're out there on the East Coast or the West Coast, I do like this little over. I wound up setting it at a 143.5. Now, you've got a Mammoth team that 
They're relatively average when it comes to possessions per game. They just do a really, really good job of executing. You've got Javar Reynolds coupled with George Pappas out there in the backcourt. They combine to be able to give you 29 points per game, and they shoot as a collective just below 40% from three-point range. You want to talk about efficient with regards to Monmouth in terms of points on a per-possession basis. This is a team that, at home, they get right around 109 points per 100 possessions. That does wind up dipping a little bit when they are on the road. But this is a team that they've been able to do a relatively solid job, more around 99.5 points per 100 possessions when they are on the road. And when it comes to Maris, I have my concerns about this team because it's a Maris team that they've actually played better on offense this season, but they just don't have a lot of balance when it comes down to it because they play a lot of strange isolation. You've been able to get a lot out of someone like a Raheem Sullivan. Sullivan has been able to do a solid job. He's been able to give this team a double-digit amount of points per game. Ricardo Wright has been able to do a good job. He's chipping in there right around 13 points per game, but for Maris, they average 8.9 assists per game, despite the fact that they wind up getting right around 70 points per game. So if you're taking a look at just the percentage of your shots made that involve an assist, Maris is right around dead last in pretty much every one of those metrics. It's very strange to see out of 358 D1 teams, they are 357th with regards to assists per game. So I don't have necessarily a trigger man for this team. That has led to them not necessarily doing a great job of being able to generate turnovers themselves and turning the ball over quite a bit themselves on offense. So I do find that to be a little bit of a wolf for the team. And also with Maris, because they do take so many jump shots, because they don't have great ball flow, they really don't get to the free throw line. When it comes to this Maris team as well, they do an okay job of being able to guard the arc, but they don't do necessarily the best job of being able to disallow offensive rebounds. When it comes to Monmouth, this isn't necessarily a terrific team on the glass, but you do have a few guys that are able to do a relatively solid job. Someone like a, someone like a, you take a look at, at Miller. He is the big man for the team down low. He's been able to give the team right around six and a half rebounds per game. He is absolutely terrific. Actually, the brother of Wes Miller, he winds up coming in from North Carolina, has been able to do a relatively solid job in Walker Miller. And then you take a look at Marcus McCleary, right around 10 and a half points, five boards per game for the team as you got a Monmouth team that all in all, they shoot about 35% from three-point range and with Monmouth as well. When it comes to tight spreads, and this is something that you always want to be taking a look at, free throw shooting. Monmouth is in the top 10 in all of college basketball when it comes to percentage of free throws made at 79.7%. So they rocks all there. Maris, they're more around 69%. So it's not like they're embarrassingly bad at the free throw line or anything like that, but I always want to stick my chips in the basket when it comes to these tight spreads into teams that they really do a good job at the free throw line, unless if there is big reason to think otherwise. And there's not really big reason to think otherwise when it comes to the spot. I want to say Monmouth, we're around a five and a half point favorite. You've got a Monmouth team that has covered all but two of the spreads that they have been in this year. That is third in all of college basketball when it comes to cover rate. I think that they're going to be able to continue that. So I am willing to lay it here when it comes to Monmouth. When it comes to total, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, set it at a 143 and a half. So I'm going to be taking a look at it over as well. We've hit on a little bit of Metro Atlantic action. Now, how about if we wind up going out to the Big East and paying some love to that conference? As in 841, 842, you do have Georgetown hitting the road to face off against St. John's. St. John's opens up an 11 point favorite, mostly seeing 10 and a half on the board. Behind me at Circa, they've got the lone 10 that I'm seeing right now, and your total, it is quite high one. You're seeing at DraftKings the low water mark of 160 and a half. 
here at Circa. It is the high watermark of 162.5. Most other places right around 161.5. And when it comes to Georgetown, they've been playing quite a few overs because it's been a hellaciously bad defense this season. You take a look at just what you've been able to get out of guys like Amin New Muhammad and company, and they've been solid on offense. This is a Georgetown team that's legitimately a top 30 team with regards to three-point shooting percentage. But the reason why they've been so stinking bad this year is that nobody can guard their own shadow at this point. Yeah, St. John's team that they generate right around 10 seals per game on defense. They've been playing at one of the most breakneck bases in all of college basketball. I do think that Georgetown is going to try to rein it in at minimum a little bit more on defense because in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis, they are 201st in all of college basketball. Big issue for this team as well. Caden Rice. Citadel transfer, he wound up having 14 plus points in four straight games ever since Georgetown wanted coming up their COVID pass. He has scored in single digits in both of those games. I've got a lot of other issues with Georgetown as we're going to be continuing to take a look at this game next. Give you guys my total, what I like with regards to that game and continuing to take a look at the college basketball betting board for Sunday. That is up next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, Esports Betting Network. has a great new offer to make this year best betting year ever. Our all new Big Game da- Big Dance special provides VEASAN plus all access to everything that we do now through April 5th for just $69. Sign up now and you'll be able to receive our daily best bet emails, 24-7 video access, the upcoming Big Game and College Hoops betting guys, plus full access to VEASAN.com with our exclusive betting splits breaking down every single game. Excuse me, as it is one of the most exciting betting seasons of the year. So don't miss out on one of our biggest deals of the year. Visit Beeson.com to sign up now. Beeson.com slash big deal as it is a Greg Peterson experience with myself, Greg Peterson. Getting all choked up, talking about what we've all got in college basketball right now as we're taking a look at everything that we've got and getting choked up talking about Georgetown and how big of a disappointment they've been as they're going to be taking on St. John's on Sunday. Wanted to mention a little bit earlier, don't have a lot of faith in this Georgetown team right now, and for good reason, and I'm not going to be trusting them with my money on Sunday as I wound up setting St. John's as a 13-point favorite. When it comes to St. John's, I think that they're going to be able to do a solid job of being able to turn over a Georgetown team that when you take a look at this bunch, they've been able to do an okay job of being able to take care of the ball. Not necessarily great, not necessarily terrible, but the big thing, for the St. John's team, you've got Julian Champagny along with Posh Alexander. And I just think that they outclass anything that you're going to be winding up getting from this Georgetown bunch. When it comes to George, when it comes to Georgetown, you certainly do have a team of which got a lot of guys that have been able to do a relatively okay job out there in the backcourt. Donald Carey is able to give you 13 points per game. So he's been able to make some big contributions. But Caden Rice falling into a swoon has been a little bit difficult. And then you got Julian Champagny. One of the better players in all of college basketball. I don't know if I'd put him necessarily in like the top 10, top 15, but certainly a top 25 guy. 21 points, two assists, two steals, block and a half, just stuffs the sad sheet, shooting 41% from three-point range. Posh Alexander, he's been able to add in there two and a half steals per game, so has been legitimately one of the better defenders out there in college basketball. Been able to also give out five assists per game. And then Dylan Adiwasu has been one of the more underrated players as well. He's been a guy that for St. John's has been 
a little bit of that glue guy. He gives you four assists per game. She's 39% from three with right around eight points or right around 10 points per contest. So that has been relatively solid. Guys like Seth Smith, Joel Soriano, they do a good job of being able to bring things together for the St. John's team. And then when it comes to Georgetown, just a complete and utter lack of defense for the team. I think it's going to be a calamity for them once again. A Georgetown team that they do a solid job of being able to shoot threes, but I do think that this could be a case in which we do wind up seeing things get slowed down just a little bit because I do think that with Georgetown giving up north of 90 points against Marquette, following that up with another lackadaisical effort against Butler, I think that Patrick Ewing is going to try to get it through his guys that, hey, you probably want to be playing a little bit of defense. I do notice that sometimes when you wind up going to the great state of New York, you just wind up seeing a masonry event in which you've got brick after brick being laid. So I did wind up setting my total at 155 and a half. It's certainly not a case in which I think that we wind up getting just like some 55 to 50 sort of rock fight in this game. But here around like 160 and a half, I'm seeing at DraftKings buy me at Circa as high as 162. I'm going to be taking a look at the under in that spot. And when it comes to St. John's, want to lay more around a 12 and a half in this game. So being able to get a 10, 10 and a half, willing to lay it here when it comes to St. John's. And I'm going to be taking a look at an under as well. When it comes to Conference USA, it's always one of my favorite conferences to take a look at because typically there's just lots of anarchy in general that winds up going down in this conference. And I think that this could be a little bit of an intriguing one as you've got for the second time in less than a week, Louisiana Tech and Southern Miss doing battle. This is going to be 839, 840 on the betting board. You've got yourself Louisiana Tech finding themselves a 13-point favorite. Total on this game, it is anywhere between 138 and a half and 139 and a half. And for Southern Miss, first time that they wound up playing this Louisiana Tech team, they did wind up getting pasted. So you've got to feel like there's going to be a little bit of a wrench angle. And it is something that I factor in when it comes to my handicap. Sometimes it is a very strong angle. And sometimes you do wind up seeing a team being a rise up. Other times the team just sinks and they're not able to do so. Now, when it comes to Southern Miss, I do lean a little bit more towards the ladder in this game, but I do think that they're going to make adjustments. And I think unlike the first time these two teams wound up playing Louisiana Tech, Got that win at home by kind of 80 to 57. They're going to be a little bit more competitive. And the reason why I do think that Southern Miss is going to be a little bit more competitive is because this is a team that they're able to do an okay job down low. Now, they've been dealing with Isaiah Moore, dealing with a little bit of an injury, but you still have Tyler Stevenson, guy that's able to give you eight rebounds, 14 points per game, and you still have another guy besides that was able to contribute nine rebounds in that last game. And DeAndre Pickney. Pickney has been able to give you five rebounds, so he's able to step into that Isaiah Moore spot and he's able to do relatively well. Now, the big thing for Southern Miss is that this is just a team that they're not able to stroke it from the outside. Tay Hardy, their top scorer, he has been out the last few games for the team, so they've been looking to really draw Pierre Jr. to be able to ignite the offense. Been able to give the team nine points per game, has scored at least 12 plus in three out of the last four, but not a guy that's necessarily going to go scorched earth from three-point range or anything like that. Shoots 34%, so he gets the job done, but at the same time, you would like to have a little bit more outside shooting when it comes to the team. And for Louisiana Tech, this is a team that lies here. They were one of the better teams in all of college basketball with regards to their defense. And they're still relatively solid, but they have taken a little bit of a fall off this year. And they've been going a little bit more up-tempo. This is a Louisiana Tech team that now they rank in the top 100 with regards to possessions per game. Last year, that was more in the bottom half of college basketball. Now they rank more around 85th when it comes to points allowed on a per-possession basis. And they're allowing 11 points more per 100 possessions on the road rather than at home. So I do think that the flip of venue is going to cause 
a little bit of a change with regards to that. Now, when it comes to Kenneth Lofton, he is a guy that I always nickname Big Sexy C because if you take a look at Kenny Lofton, he actually looks very much like Bartolo Colon, but the guy is absolutely terrific. A very big and versatile guy who's able to give you 16 points and a half rebounds. Not a guy that's going to go out there and shoot threes, but absolutely tenacious on both the offensive and defensive end. But you take a look at this Louisiana Tech team as well. They're a solid three-point shooting team. They're not great. They're not necessarily terrible. Keeson Willis, someone that comes in from Incarnate Word, is able to shoot right around 35% from three-point range. He chips in their double figure. So has been able to do a relatively solid job there with Southern Miss. Their defense has actually been relatively okay this season. The big thing that has been really letting them down is the fact that they just can't hit water if they fell out of a boat. And this is also a Southern Miss team that they're very different home to road. When it comes to their road games, they give up right around 12 points for a hundred possession basis more when they are on the road rather than when they are at home. So I do think that that's a little bit of a factor. Now, Southern Miss, no matter where they play, they are just not necessarily a good offensive team home or road, but they actually score less on a per possession basis at home than when they are on the road. And as a matter of fact, out of your 358 D1 teams, you actually do have ironically enough six teams that have yet to play a home game, but they rank in the bottom 15 with regards to points scored on a per possession basis at home. So I do think that you're going to get a relatively low scoring game in this one. I wound up saying my total at a 135 as a result. I'm going to be taking a look at the under, but I do think that Southern Miss is going to be able to hold Louisiana Tech to a lot of one and done situations. I think that it's going to be a little bit of a more of a methodical slow game. So I'm taking a look at it under set Louisiana Tech more around an 11 half point favorite. I think that they get it done and Quite frankly, I do think that they get it done in relatively decent fashion. I just can't justify laying the 12 and a half to the 13 that we're seeing here. What else we're seeing? A lot of games out there in the Metro Atlantic. And you've got the top team to the over in all of college basketball that is going to be taking part in the festivities on Sunday. 833-834. I bet there aren't a lot of people that knew that the Manhattan Jaspers are the best team to the over. And they are going to be playing us to Canisius, Golden Griffins, find themselves anywhere between a four and four and a half point underdog with your total between 144 and a half and 145 and a half. We have seen a sharp rise when it comes to these Manhattan totals. And a big reason why we have is because Manhattan no longer sinks at the free throw line. Last few years under Steve Massiello, this team was in the bottom 30 with regards to free throw shooting percentage, just not being able to do much of anything there. This year, they're shooting 72.5% the free throw line. So they've been halfway respectable there. And when it comes to Canisius, they're dealing with a little bit of injury to Malik Green. Malik Green has been the top scorer for the team with right around 14.5 points per game and has played the last two games. So if you're looking for whether a guy is in or out, what you want to be looking at is how close to 100% they are because it's not just good enough to see, oh, this guy is playing. Because if a guy is playing at 70%, sometimes that's actually more of a detriment to the the team than if he's not playing at all. And that has been the case with Willie Green. He has played right around 20 minutes in the team's last two games since coming back from injury. He has scored a combined two points, or he has scored two points in each out of those two games. So it combined four points. And I think that he's had as many turnovers in that time span as well. So that's not necessarily cutting it when it comes to Manhattan as well. I like Jose Perez, who is coming in from Marquette. He wanted to begin his career at Carter Webb has been able to give the team five and a half assists per game. And this is a Manhattan team that for them, sharing has been carrying. So they've been able to do a solid job there now. And Nelson has a good chance of being out for this game once again, has yet to play a game in the calendar season of 2022. But, and it's a guy that winds up committing right around four turnovers per game. So I don't think that a lot is going to be lost there. 
when it comes to this game. I want to say Manhattan, more on an eight and a half point favorite. So one delayed here, going to go against the trend. Going to be taking a look at an under, as I want to say, the solo Moron of 143. Coming up next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience. Going to be taking a look at the big game out there in the Missouri Valley Conference. Right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health, but by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you miss any part of our show or anything on the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Check out replays of all of our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to vcin.com slash podcast and get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we got Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi line, follow the money. My guys in the desert. In 15 minutes, there's going to be a fresh episode of Coast to Coast Soups with myself, Greg Hoops Peterson, uploaded as well, and many more. They are all free and available now at vcin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcast. As it is the Greg Peterson experience with myself, Greg Hoops Peterson, if you want to be missing the New York Post pick that I wanted giving at the top of the hour, have no fear. We've got you covered there with both my podcast, Coast to Coast Soups, with regards to all these shows. We upload every hour as well at the end of it. So we're going to have that up relatively soon after this winds up wrapping up. So got you covered there. And then I'll hit it in the final hour of this show as well. want to just pass along a little bit of news. I'd be lying to you if I said that I was... Any sort of a tennis better whatsoever. I'm not going to claim to be a tennis handicapper here, but with that said, this is going to affect things a little bit. Novak Djokovic, he was making a last-ditch attempt to be able to play in the Australian Open. That attempt has been denied. It seems as though he is going to be not going to be welcome anymore in the country of Australia for the time being. So that means that things have settled down with regards to that. If you're taking a look at the futures market at DraftKings, when it comes to Odds to be able to win the Australian Open on the med side. On the med side, you've got Daniil Medvedev, currently the favorite at plus 150. I assume that they have taken Roger, or Roger Federer. They have taken Mr. Djokovic off the board because I am right now seeing everyone that is 150 to 1 or better, and he is not on the list. Heck, you've got Andy Murray in there at 80 to 1, but I do think that's interesting. They actually have at number 4, Stefanos Sitsipas at 16 to 1. Might be worth a little bit of a shot there. I've always liked what I've seen out of him now that you've got Djokovic out of the fold, but certainly going to be very fascinating to see what you've got there. Rafael Nadal, plus 650. 
But once again, this is something that I am not going to be touching personally. I do think that it is really fascinating to see what we've got here from a casual tennis just watching perspective. It's not seeing Mr. Djokovic out there. It's certainly going to be relatively strange. I just still think back to the U.S. Open in which he wanted hitting the person and he wound up getting just extinct from that. So it has been very fascinating to watch the career of Mr. Novak Djokovic. So now he is going to be out of the Australian Open. And now in a lot more markets, you are able to fire in on these futures and what have you. You're also able to fire in on a lot of college basketball as well. When it comes to the normal Las Vegas betting board, all these games wind up getting listed. Now, there's only a few books that wind up having up the extra games. And if time allows in the final hour, we'll try to hit on some of these like Navy, Boston, U, Lehigh, Loyola, Maryland. When it comes to the betting board, I know that I get asked this by a lot of people. Why are there some games that wind up having six digits with regards to rotation numbers in Las Vegas rather than three digits. And the reason why, I don't know why they structured it this way, but teams in smaller conferences wind up getting the six digits. So this is the Atlantic Sun, the America East, the Patriot League, the SWAC, the MEAC. You're able to throw in there the Northeastern Conference. From time to time, you're going to find the Southland in there as well. Just all these smaller conferences, but the Big South, I don't think I wound up hitting on them a little bit earlier. If I did, why don't we just hit on them again? These teams in smaller conferences, they wind up going down there just because typically books, they want to take a little bit less action in these games and they want to try to reduce the amount of games that some of these books wind up listing in general because, well, there's 358 D1 teams, which is why when you wind up seeing teams play against a non-D1 school, so like I'm a graduate of UW Oshkosh, if they wind up getting the game with Wisconsin, not going to find that on the betting board because, well, when you wind up having to go beyond 358 D1 teams, it is very hard to keep track of. So just wanted to give you guys a little bit of an answer there. But how about if we take a look at what is going to be the latest game on the college basketball betting board? You want to get in these bets early because you've got really two games. They're going to be tipping off after 1.30 p.m. Pacific time. That would be Loyola, Maryland, and Lehigh at 3 o'clock, and then this one at 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific. Bradley hits the road faceoff against Illinois State. Illinois State is opening up a two-point home underdog. Total on this game is anywhere between 145 and 146. And for Illinois State, ever since they wound up having a very good 2016-17 season, things have been a little bit of a downer for them. But Illinois State has really pumped up the tempo this year, and they've had a lot of success with it. When it comes to possessions per game, this is an Illinois State team that they do rank in the top 20 with that regard. And they're going to be going up against a bunch here in Bradley that they'd like to slow down the tempo a little bit more. Brian Wardle has been doing a relatively solid job as a coach. I actually know him a little bit personally. I'm someone that I grew up in the great state of Wisconsin. First team that I ever actually got credentialed to be able to cover, UW-Green Bay, back when Mr. Wardle was coaching over there. So I know a lot about his style, a guy that he's never going to have his teams necessarily playing at like a super snail's pace, not necessarily a team that's necessarily going to be pumping it up either. 175th in the country with regards to possessions per game. They do let things get a little bit more out of hand when they are on the road. They play a little bit faster when they are away from their friendly confines. So I do think that that's a little bit of an intriguing note when it comes to this one. I personally, with regards to the total, wind up setting this more around a 143 and a half because I do think that Bradley going to be able to play some relatively solid defense. And Bradley does a good job on the glass. Rennick Mass has been able to give the team eight and a half rebounds per game. Now, last year, six foot eight gentleman that comes over from the continent of Europe has been was able to shoot about 35% from three-point range this year, more around 27 to 28%. But 
when it comes to Illinois State, the reason why I do think that they're going to be able to win this game outright is, for one, you obviously have home court advantage. It's going to be in favor of Illinois State, though. I will say, you do not necessarily have the world's longest drive from normal Illinois to Peoria, which is where these two teams are located. But when it comes to Antonio Reeves Jr., I think that he's going to be the best scorer out there on the floor. To be able to give this team 20 and a half points, shooting 42.9% from three-point range. And you take a look at this Illinois State team in general. They are in the top 20 in all of college basketball, shooting 38.7% from three-point range. They do a good job of being able to get to the free throw line. Now, things are lacking a little bit when it comes to their defense, as they rank right around 310th of the country when it comes to three-point shooting percentage. But this is a Bradley team that they have been quite intermiss when it comes to their outside shooting as well. So, and it's something that you do want to be taking a look at now when it comes to Bradley. I do like what you would be able to get out of Terry Roberts. 15.5 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. Guy that's able to vary about 37.5% of his threes. Overall, Bradley, they shoot 35% from three. Nothing great, nothing terrible when it comes to Bradley as well. This is a team that they do a great job of being able to get clean looks. Something that I do take a look at from time to time is the percentage of a team's shots that winds up getting blocked. And Bradley is actually one of the better teams in all of college basketball of not getting swatted away. They only wind up having right around 1.9 of their shots get blocked per game. That's in the top 20 in all of college basketball. I do think that that counts for something. But you've got Malibi Leons, who has been able to shoot about 45% from three-point range for this Bradley team. Has been able to kick it up a little bit more recently. But you do take a look at the depth of this team, and it is lacking a little bit. I was expecting more out of Mikey Howell. He winds up coming in from UC San Diego, has been able to give this team some good facilitation with right around three and a half assists per game, but only three points per contest. That's been a little bit of an issue for this team. When it comes to Bradley, you don't necessarily have dominant rebounding as well. They do wind up getting 11 and a half offensive rebounds per game, but at the same time, you don't have that one guy that's going to go out there. He's necessarily going to be able to give you like seven to eight rebounds per game, and I think that Cy Chapman over here at Illinois State is going to be able to do a relatively solid job in this matchup as well. 15 and a half points. Six and a half rebounds per game. Not a guy that's necessarily going to be able to stretch the floor, but you've got someone that has a lot of strength. Josiah Strong, very fitting name. A guy that's able to give you 13 points per game. Shoots 72% of the line, 47.5% from three-point range. And as a matter of fact, for Illinois State, among their top four scores, three of them shoot above 42% from three-point range. Now you take a look at Mark Freeman. He's been missing the last few games for this Illinois State team. May not be able to go in this one and. Honestly, I would upgrade Illinois State a little bit more if Mark Freeman does not wind up going because while he does give the team right around a mid-33 point shooting percentage with 9.5 points per game, the big thing with Mark Freeman is this guy's a walking turnover. Transferred in from Tennessee State while he was at Tennessee State last season, averaged right around four turnovers per game. He has been able to do all 3.9 assists per game and gives the team about a seal and a half per contest, but 3.5 turnovers per game, he just seems to be a little bit of a black hole that when the ball winds up coming to him, it's just sucked in and it's not coming back out. So that has been a little bit of an issue when it comes to the team. I have a deal with a couple of injuries when it comes to the team. I did mention the one to Mark Freeman. You've had out of the fold for much of the season, a guy in Haruna Cisco. He has been able to give the team a little bit of something off the bench. A guy that last year was able to do some relatively nice things, was actually able to start 13 contests. He has been a little bit out of sorts. They're going to be trying to get him a few more minutes when he is fully able to go. So his ailment has hurt this Illinois State team a little bit, but also keep in mind when Illinois State wound up going on the road against Wisconsin, 
showed a very spirited effort there. And we'll see for Bradley. They have been able to get progressively better as the season went along. They wound up going to the Haskins Center in the multi-team event that UTEP wanted playing. They were able to take down a pair of teams from the state of Texas. So that was a relatively good showing there. But I do think that Illinois State, with all their three-point shooting, with the fact that they are able to pump up the tempo in a lot of games, are going to be able to get it done. Illinois State has been halfway decent on defense. I think that they're going to do a good job of holding down the Bradley second chances that we've been seeing a lot of the season. So one take Illinois State here on the money line. Took the total at a round of 143.5, so diving under as well. Coming up next, it is going to be officially Sunday out here on the West Coast, which means it is an NFL Sunday, and we're going to be taking a look at the wild card games that we've got next right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. 